The North West Air Ambulance Service has two helicopters. As you'll hear, one of them is based at Blackpool Airport and the other at City Airport Manchester. And it's to Barton where I'm off today to interview one of the service's pilots. For episode 39 of Flying Podcast, I'm talking to Captain Mark Rowley. He's one of three pilots that fly the helicopters for the North West Air Ambulance Service. So let's get down to business and listen to what Mark has to say. Good afternoon, Mark. Uh, could you tell me where are North West Amb- Air Ambulance based? North West Air Ambulance are based one aircraft here at uh, Barton Aerodrome and one aircraft based up at Blackpool Airport as well, covering the, the North West. Okay. What area does the service cover? Um, the service covers basically from the, the Lake District southwards down towards the North Midlands and then from the coast, obviously, across towards the Yorkshire border, telling a total area of about 5,500 square miles. That's a huge area, isn't it? Yep. And, of course, with the big conurbations of Liverpool and Manchester, you've got a total population of about 8 million people. What's the sort of maximum travel time, say, say from here or Blackpool, to your, the furthest most uh, um, reach? Probably up to Carlisle from here is about 35 minutes. That's not bad, is yeah. it? Yeah, but uh, most of our tasking is within 10 minutes flying time of any hospital. Okay. Uh, what exactly is the, the operational role of the aircraft? The aircraft's role is uh, primarily to put medical personnel in position and then once that's been done, they assess the situation then with the possibility then of transferring patients to hospital rapidly. I think a, a misconception is that the, we're there to deal primarily with serious trauma. We're not. Uh, location is a big part of what we do. For example, we could have a, a hill walker indifferently on the hills, not necessarily life-threatening, but unable to remove themselves, which in a situation where it could become life-threatening given time and uh, weather and uh, environmental stress, if you like. Okay. So it's accessibility, really, that yep. is the, the key thing. Yeah. So if they're not near a road or whatever, a conventional ambulance can get to mm-hmm. your job. Okay. Uh, what sort of helicopters do you fly? They're EC-135 Eurocopters, EC-135 T2s, the, um, with the glass panels, the, uh, glass cockpits, as we call them. Okay. Is there any specific uh, technology you have on board to, to aid your uh, to your role? Yep, as I say, it's it's a twin-engine helicopter, gas turbine helicopter, which obviously means we've got plenty of power and plenty of lifting capability. The aircraft is a maximum takeoff weight of just under four tonnes, so that gives us pl- plenty of lifting capacity, as I say. And it's a modern cockpit in that it's a glass cockpit with a um, GPS navigation system and a full autopilot, three-axis autopilot, which obviously helps in bad weather. It's um, IFR capable, so we can do transfers uh, from base to base uh, in cloud and... Uh, under IFR conditions. Okay, so if you if you took off from here, you'd obviously not come back to here, would you? No, no. I mean, ordinarily we'd, we'd try and stay VFR. Uh, that to enable us to do our job properly, but in extremis, if we were to stray inadvertently into IMC, then we can get out of it, and we can do transfers between aeronautical installations, which allow us to do that. Okay. Uh, what's your typical crewing on, on a, a mission? Typical crewing is one pilot and two paramedics, uh, one paramedic and a doctor. Part of is flying the aircraft, but the paramedics assist with navigation and communications with air ambulances, air ambulance, uh, ambulance control as well. Okay, so they're specifically trained for this role then? Yeah. They do a two-week HEMS course, which is run by Bond Air Services down at Staverton. Um, and the syllabus on that course consists of navigation, aerodynamics, uh, principles of flight, meteorology, as well as aircraft operations specifically tailored to the air ambulance role. Interesting. Okay. 
Um, you've touched on the sort of operations, but can you give me a, sort of a wider view of the, the sort of operations you get called out on? They can vary wildly. Um, yes, there's a serious trauma, road accidents on the motorways and on major roads. Equestrian type calls are also a b big part of our business, yep. again, due to the location and nature of the incidents, yep. where you get horse riders probably thrown from a horse mm -hmm. individually, and uh, the nearest roads can be quite a considerable distance away, therefore we're the ideal vehicle for that. I'd say it's not necessarily serious trauma, but uh, up on the hills we can get deal. We can pull people off who are in difficulties as well. When I spoke to the police uh, a few years ago, doing this podcast, uh, obviously we're based under Manchester's airspace here. Are mm -hmm. there any specific problems you guys have operationally? Not per se. We are, we're cat category aircraft, so we have priority. And when we try to liaise as much as possible with Manchester, and obviously going into their airspace, we need to liaise with them. Mm -hmm. But they are very helpful, and they will uh, assist us yep. to, the, to the best of their ability. Um, we're obviously trying to get to an incident as quickly as possible, so it's direct routine wherever possible. At what sort of height would you fly here? Typically, probably about 1,000 to 1,500 feet. We yep. don't need to go much more, much above that. Yep. So you try and stay VFR if, if possible? Yeah, we'll, we would, on, a, on an air ambulance HEMS mission, we would stay VFR, yes. Okay. Um, but you are IFR capable, you say? Yes. Okay. Uh, do you fly at night? No, we don't. Uh, the reason for that being that, obviously, trying to fly visually at night and land in ad hoc landing mm. sites yeah, sure. can be quite tricky. Yeah. We don't, we're not MVG capable and we don't have a big searchlight, so mm -hmm. things like power lines, trees, obstructions would cause an in inordinate problem. Are you familiar with the sort of statistics, number of flights, number of hours? Well, as I say, the, the, the pure flying hours tend not to be very great. Yeah. So most of our flights are typically of 10 minutes duration from, from per sector, so we don't tend to rack up the hours. However, the number of cycles we do, I mean, the, this current aircraft has been in this role now for quite a few years before we acquired it. It's done 15,000 landings just over, but only 3,000 hours flying. Yeah. So in a year, my logbook doesn't look particularly impressive, <laughs> but the number of takeoff <laughs> landings <laughs> are uh, somewhat different. And uh, since we started here uh, as a base 12 months ago, we've done just under 600 missions now. Wow. So what, a couple of days? Uh, yeah, typically a couple of day. Yep. Tough one, but could you say how many lives you've saved? Difficult to say. Yeah. Um, because it's difficult, difficult to try and determine whether somebody stuck up on Kinderscout with a broken yep. ankle. Did we save their life mm -hmm. purely by getting them off the hill? Or yep. uh, I would like to think we've saved one or two, but yep. uh, as I say, to put a figure on it is very, very difficult. Okay. Could you talk us through uh, a typical day here at uh, the airport? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we turn to in the morning. Uh, the first thing I tend to do is have a look at the weather, obviously, to see what the, the weather's going to be for the day. Then we need to do the basic servicing on the aircraft to check A is carried out on the aircraft. Fuel is sampled. We have our own fuel supply here in Little Bowser. That is checked for water content to make sure it's suitable to put in the aircraft. Once all the basic servicing of the aircraft and the aircraft is checked over, the pre-flight checks are done. We're back in here. We meet together as a crew to have a morning brief, run through the meteorology, no TAMs, and serviceability state of the aircraft, anything else that's relevant to the day's flying. From that point, it's a case of catching up with paperwork, as inevitable, and then awaiting for a call to come through. And as the day goes on, obviously the paramedics are busy with their day-to-day um, -day admin, likewise in the office here. Then towards the evening, again, it's a matter of putting the aircraft to bed prior to departing and going home. 
Okay, and from here you fly five days a week? Five days a week, yep. Uh, from the Blackpool base, obviously there are two parts there, they're, they're seven days a week. That's purely limited by the our um, limitations that are imposed by the CAA. Okay. Can you recall any particularly stressful operations you've been out on? Stressful, not particularly, but challenging, yes. Mm -hmm. um, uh, September last year we had a, a day when it was particularly heavy showers coming through and uh, we're, in a, we're in a bulk of aircraft that day, not a, an EC-135. And uh, searching for a patient up in the uh, the Peak District, trying to trying to dodge in between the showers, we got caught by a shower. And when the um, the windscreen wiper failed on the machine, we had to land in the field and wait for a shower to go through. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> and it was very very turbulent as well. One of the most uncomfortable flights I've ever had. <laughs> Talking about the the job of a pilot and career opportunities, what sort of background in general do the uh, heli med pilots have? Predominantly, I mean, I can only speak for Bond Air Services, the company I work for, but predominantly ex-military. That doesn't say to say we're exclusively ex-military. There uh -huh. are uh, civilian or pilots who've come up through the civilian route working there. But uh, within that military background, a lot of the guys are ex-army as well, because it's very akin to the nature of the, the flying they've done in the, uh -huh. in the services. Yeah, I mean, having spoken to the guys at uh, Shawbury, it sounds very, very similar going out on missions to land in inhospitable sort of areas. Yeah, it's those, those, those ad, ad hoc landing sites that uh, uh, it's down to the pilot's judgment as to whether he attempts a landing there or tries to land a little bit further away, but um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a compromise between trying to get the paramakes at the scene of the incident and uh, maintain the safety of the aircraft. Okay, if someone that uh, is setting out on their flying career and thinks, you know, flying for a service like yourselves, how would they uh, look to pursue that career? Well, again, I can only speak from my, my background, which is ex-military. Um, the best way, and probably the cheapest, to be honest, is, is to join the services. Mm -hmm. Obviously, recent events have uh, shown that even that is not a secure route to uh, achieving your, your, your goals, but um, it's certainly a, probably the best background to, to do this particular job. Okay. And What's, what service were you in? I was in the Royal Navy, although having uh, started in the Air Cadets, uh, flying, doing the uh, gliding proficiency, and then with the Florida Flying Scholarship, I changed colour and uh, joined the Navy. <laughs> oh, 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 right. Uh, did you go through Shawbury? No, I went. Uh, my my Navy training consisted of um, flying grading down at Plymouth Rover on the uh, Chipmunks, and then to Topcliffe, the Royal Navy Elementary Flying Training School, and then down to Coldrose to do the basic helicopter training on 705 Squadron. Mm -hmm. And my career then. Revolved mainly around Cold Rose, but also uh, two tours up in Scotland on 819 squadrons, it was anti submarine and search and rescue up there. And you did some frontline service as well, you say? Yeah, I was uh, predominantly uh, anti submarine and anti submarine pilot, but I did, as I say, do a tour doing search and rescue and then a tour doing flying a AW, the you may recall the AW Sea King. Mm -hmm. uh, I did two years on that on Ark yeah. Royal. Um, when you finished your career in the in the forces, what did you uh, see yourself doing? Um, I initially went to fly for the airlines and flew for the airlines for quite a few years. Then came back to Rotary Wing um, as a test pilot with uh, Eurocopter, as they are now. They used to be called, used to be McAlpine helicopters, mm -hmm. and then uh, came to Bond uh, from another airline job. So my career is flip flop between Rotary Wing and Fixed Wing. Yeah, what were you flying airline wise? Started off on the the BAC 111, and uh, then progressed onto the 737, the classics, and then the NGs. Mm -hmm. So flying 
short haul routes to the Mediterranean, Egypt, and down to the uh, to the um, Canary Islands. Yeah. Well, how do you see your future? Are you going to be here, as far as you know? <laughs> <laughs> that depends on the on the charity. The, the the charity contract runs for a period of five years. Uh, they're contracted, bond are contracted to the uh, the charity for that length of time. So. Once that contract comes to an end and is renegotiated, it all depends where we go from there. Brilliant. Okay, well, thank you very much, Mark. You're welcome. Mark Rowley of Northwest Air Ambulance. Uh, you may have heard Mark mention during the podcast the uh, HEMS course, the HEMS course for the paramedics. That stands for Helicopter Emergency Medical Service. The NWAA has been in operation now for uh, just over 10 years. Uh, they operate 365 days a year with at least one of the aircraft being operational from either Blackpool or City Airport Manchester. They average five incidents a day, rising to ten a day, ten a day during the summer. And as you heard Mark say, they cover a huge part of the country. That's uh, eight million people and five and a half thousand square miles. There are three types of response for the aircraft, I'm told. One is uh, primary, which is generated by uh, a 999 call. There is a secondary response, which is uh, a flight at the request of uh, ground ambulance services, and uh, tertiary, which is uh, inter-hospital transfers, which uh, Mark was mentioning. Almost half of the call-outs are for road traffic accidents. 15% uh, for falls, 9% for medical emergencies, 8% sporting, and 6% for horse riding accidents. The team aim to be airborne within two minutes of receiving the emergency call, which is uh, very impressive. And although Mark was hesitant about saying uh, how many lives they've saved, uh, it must run to uh, the hundreds over the years. To keep the service uh, operational costs approximately £4 million a year, and most of that money has to come via charitable donations. As part of the team, there's three pilots, six paramedics, uh, and a couple of engineers to uh, keep the helicopters flying. And that doesn't include the team of staff and volunteers that are involved in fundraising. If you feel the need to help, this very worthwhile charity in some way, you can by either donating, volunteering or arranging some sort of fundraising event. If you are a member of some sort of club, community group, uh, they will even come to you to do a presentation about the air ambulance service, which uh, is a pretty good idea. If you'd like to help, please have a look at uh, the Northwest Air Ambulance Service website. They really do a brilliant job and uh, they do deserve our support. Their website is northwestairambulance.com. That's northwestairambulance.com. Northwest Air Ambulance, all one word. In episode 37, we featured an offer for the Aware and Aware Plus GPS systems. Well, that offer was such a great success, Airbox have kindly agreed to extend it. So if you'd like to save £10 off an Aware or an Aware Plus, and that includes the new 5-inch screen version, which looks brilliant, just mention Flying Podcast when you order. The offer extends to the first 50 units bought and will expire at the end of April 2011. All you have to do is place your order by calling Airbox uh, on their office number, which is 01235 227 250, and mention that you heard about the Airbox Aware or Aware Plus on Flying Podcast. Simple as that. If you'd like uh, more info and the full spec on uh, the Aware Airspace warning devices, you can visit their website at www.airspaceaware.com and all this info is of course on my own podcast website which is uh, flyingpodcast.co.uk whilst you're on the flying podcast website please have a look at some of the sponsored links on the website 
If there's anything that catches your eye, feel free to have a quick look round. It all goes towards earning a few extra pennies and contributing to the cost of producing the podcasts. Well, that's it for episode 39 of Flying Podcast. If you have any comments, suggestions for future episodes, or if you'd like to take part, you can email me on steve at flyingpodcast.co.uk. Thanks for listening. Speak to you again soon.